Thank you, Kelly, very much. Good morning, everybody. That most tenured comet's been on the air now for, I think, six or eight years, something like that. That's making me sound even older than ever. Oh, my goodness gracious. Good morning. And speaking of older than ever, that's true for every one of us. And it's especially true of Jared Taylor, our producer and board operator and screener and the guy who does everything except answer the garden questions, and I'll bet he could do that if we ask him to. Jared is having a very happy birthday today, and let me tell you, this is a warning from Neil. Treat him right when you call through today. It's his birthday. So the first thing you say is, hi, is this Jared? You can ask that. That's okay. And if he says, yes, it is, you say, happy birthday, Jared. Give me a call if you would. I'm talking plants today. We'd love to hear from you. And the number to call Jared to wish him happy birthday and then to go on the air with me is 888-256-1080. 888-256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour. I said, Jared, I can't believe you're here on your birthday. He said, Neil, I want to work. I was born to work. And then he said, yeah, I'm taking a day off in a while. So anyway, we're glad to have him. He's wonderful, and uh, so treat him right. We're here for the next hour to talk about the plants at your place and and how things are recovering. See, I told you these trees would leaf back out again. People are all worried. They get so excited when, oh, my gosh, my red bud's alive. Well, let's look at the scientific name of Cercis canadensis. Canada? Oh, maybe that explains why it's alive. And then you, you see people get all excited my Altheas my Roses of Sharon are budding out oh goodness I'm so excited and then you say yeah uh, you'll see those in uh, you'll see those in Ohio and Indiana and Illinois they're beautiful up there oh <laughs> so and then we have the other plants like Indian hawthorns that are not budding out they're not going to bud out they are as I've been using the phrase compostable because they're gone across most of Texas. This has really been an odd experience. And uh, the nursery industry is rocking and reeling right now, trying to restock what they can. And those of us who are recommending a few plants to replace a lot of different kinds of plants, I'm beginning to say to myself, Neil, you're not doing a, a great service to the nursery industry and to your listeners to recommend the same plant to replace three or four kinds of plants. And so I'm trying to be a little more general but you know what if you have a superstar plant that has really come through the cold quite well and you're recommending that one to replace a bunch of others then um, it's kind of a catch-22 you want people to succeed with the new plants that they're putting out and not have problems you're also not wanting to landscape for the 100 year cold spell it's not going to happen again soon but I'll, I'll use Indian hawthorns as my example they, they froze badly they froze. I mean, they're gone in most of Texas. People even in South Texas uh, have sent me, posted photos on my Facebook page uh, saying, oh my gosh, it froze. It's just dead. I can't get anything. The the, uh, the stems are, are rubbery. They're, there's no life in them. And, um, and so, and then they say, is it okay now to plant another Indian hawthorn in that soil? Oh, why? Why would you do that? right after you lost one, and and they are pretty, and they do bloom, and I'll give you that. But uh, the post that I put up with Indian Hawthorn uh, freezing, I put it up on March 16th, so what is that? That's uh, 11 days ago, 
and it has been looked at by 489,000 people. So that's how that's how bad that problem is. And um, 2,000 shares with other people. And I drove past those plants this morning and uh, said to my wife, "Yep, they're still dead. <laughs> it's a commercial planting." Uh, in our hometown of McKinney, and I went to the pharmacy that I go to and picked up a prescription, and yep, they're still dead. Probably going to be dead the next time we go unless they take them out. By comparison, there's an Asian jasmine post I put on Facebook on March 19, and those plants, if they have trimmed them by now, um, are probably showing a lot of nice bright green growth. I've noticed Asian jasmine's doing that. Uh, Waxleaf ligustrum, I'm looking at the posts I've made they will not be coming back. Loquats will not be coming back if they froze. In most cases, now, if you're along the coast and your loquats just got toasted a little bit, just a light toasting, please, uh, they may come back. But for most of Texas, loquats were planted in places they should never have been planted. So were pittosporums, um, and, and they won't come back in those areas. Eliagnus, I'm surprised, froze as badly as it did. And I don't think they're going to come back in parts of the northern half of the state. So it's just a plant-by-plant thing. If I can help you, you know, I'm just frankly kind of tired of of, uh, post after post saying, is it alive? Is it dead? Will it come back? But that's what people are worried about, and I get that. I understand that. I I would be too. And I'm thinking the same thing as I go through my landscape, although I have about 35 kinds of hollies. Hollies were the superstars on this one. You can see why I like them so much if you see hollies in, in your town. They're the best-looking plants around in most cases, so just uh, as a, a heads-up. All right, we have Stephen in Amarillo, where it did get cold, and uh, he'll be the first call-up in just a moment, and you could be right after that. It's toll-free. Call now. Don't call at the end of the program. Please don't call right at the end and say, well, I never can get through. You have lines available to you right now, or at least a line, at 888 888- 256-1080 for the Texas Lawn and Garden Hour, 888-256-1080. Now, here is, uh, here is what's going on with my book. The book is on the presses. They sent me photos this week of the book on the presses. I see the pages going through the presses. I say, that's my book, fifth printing of the book. And uh, so here is where we stand. I don't have any copies of the book to sell to you right now. But I can give you a a wing-ding of a good offer on the pre-production of this. Uh, It will be out in just, I think, about three weeks. I talked to my sales rep this week, and he said, we're working with the the bindery to see if they can speed it up a little bit for you. That's Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. Let me describe the book to you, and then I'll give you the special that I'm making you if you order before it comes off the presses. Uh, This is the book that now has gone through four printings. They're all sold, 60,000 copies. I offer a money-back guarantee on the book if you're not satisfied and I have I have mailed every one of those except for the very no I've mailed every one of them I've signed every one except for the very first printing a few thousand of those that were uh, on order when it printed uh, but every other one uh, something like 55,000 I have signed and I've not had a request for a refund yet on any of them So I think you're going to be very happy with this book. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas. Chapter 2 is a calendar. It's a 48-page calendar in words, not on a grid, of when you plant, prune, fertilize, and spray 
all the plants in your landscape and garden. It's four pages per month of all the important gardening tasks. When do you do them? And then chapters 3 through 11 are incredibly detailed chapters covering trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers, annuals, perennials, lawns, fruit, and vegetables. I worked a month to six weeks on every one of those chapters, and I offer this book to you as what I think is the best work of my career. It's 344 pages, 840 of my photos, and 11 chapters. And it's a hardback printed in San Antonio and bound in San Antonio. It's a Texas book. Lone Star Gardening, not in stores and not on Amazon. The reason that we're delayed in, in having copies available to you, the, the fourth printing sold incredibly fast right at the end, and there was a paper shortage of the quality of paper that I wanted, the high, the high quality paper. But it will be out in about three weeks, three or four. Give us a, a break. Uh, three, I think. And it will be $36.95 plus tax and postage. I offer it to you, the first copies that come off the press, in the order in which they are bought at $31.95 plus tax and postage. The price will never be that low afterwards. Order now. Order right now from my website. That's neilsperry.com. Again, not in stores and not on Amazon. The price will go up when we get our copies of the book. That's $31.95 plus tax and postage. It will be $36.95. Order now at neilsperry.com. You can call my office Monday through Friday. That's 800-752-GROW. But the better way is to order it at the website right now and have it done. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. Let me tell you right now about uh, Mueller. At Mueller, they believe in value. They uh, have their Value Plus buildings, pre-engineered, featuring an easy-to-assemble, bolt-together design. Mueller's durable roofing panels are hail-resistant, and they come back by a 30-year limited paint warranty. But true value never stops at just a quality product at a reasonable price. It shows in the service you receive during your purchase and in how a company stands behind their product after the sale. Mueller understands that buying a steel building or a metal roof for your home can be a lifetime decision. And Mueller will provide assistance before, during, and for decades after your purchase. They've been around decades, so that really stands. At Mueller, you simply get more. You get more for your money, more confidence in their company, and that gives you more value. Call them, 877-2-MUELLER. That's 877-268-3553. Or visit them online at MuellerInc.com. M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C dot com. Mueller, Inc. dot com. Mueller means more. I'll have more after this message. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, let me give that number myself and see if that uh, sells out that last line that we have for you. It's 888-256-1080. Simple as that. 888-256-1080. Call right now. We have plenty of time to get to you. If you wait late in the program, that's not always the case. Always have one or two people who get left out because they waited too long. 888-256-1080. Let's go to Stephen in Amarillo. Stephen, good morning. How are you? Doing well. Good morning, sir. You guys went to what below zero? Eight below? Ten below? Uh, I believe whenever I was at work, I checked my uh, 
weather app at about 3 o'clock in the morning, and it showed 18 below. I don't know how oh. accurate that is, but that's what I saw. I didn't see anything. I was up all night just checking stuff here in McKinney where we live, and and uh, I was checking around the state. I knew I would need to know. I didn't see anything like it. Oh, my goodness gracious. Wow, that's kind of chilly. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, recovery on the plumbing and uh, housing side afterwards. Yeah. I'll bet. I'll bet. I'll bet. Wow. Well, how can I help you this morning? All right. Well, I have uh, ventured into fruit trees for the first time this year. And I started with a peach tree because that's what was available. We wanted apricot, but we got a Bonanza Dwarf peach tree. And it's still in its three-gallon container that I purchased it in about a week ago. Okay. Um, but since we wanted apricots, I immediately <laughs> got online and I purchased three apricot scions, a Tomcot, a Royalty, and a Mincurian scion. And I'm wanting to graft those onto this peach tree. So my question is, will it succeed in the same year that I plan on planting this tree? And what tips could you have for, for increasing my success? And if I cannot graft with success this year, the year that I plant this tree, can I root and, and uh, grow these uh, scions and then graft them next year? What, what are they? Do you have them in your possession now? I should within a day or two. All right. All right. I, okay. I have all kinds of lame comments coming. You have your umbrella? <laughs> all right. Here, here's, my, here's my story, and I'll just be totally honest. I'm an ornamental guy, so fruit is not my specialty. I'm going to try to help you, but here comes the first one. When I was at Ohio State, I was determined I was going to get out in three years. I started at A&M, and nobody gets out of college in three years, but I was paying my way through, and I was determined. There was one class in my, in my way, and that was plant propagation. I took that one by exam. I got an A in the class, but I have never in my life completed a successful fruit, uh, bud, or graft. I've done several hundred. But you have to be fast uh, to succeed. The first hundred will be the worst hundred that you do because you're too slow. I'm too slow. I'll put it that way. And so I'm not the one to ask on that. I wasn't aware that you could graft apricots onto peaches. I, it stands to reason they're very closely related. But I would think that there would be a different rootstock uh, for, a, for an apricot from a peach. The trees look vastly different, um, and I imagine they're different species. Bonanza is hey. is going to be uh, grafted onto a dwarfing rootstock of some sort, uh, which would imply incompatibility if it's anything like apples. But I am talking way over my head on this one. Um, I, I don't know. And now, your other question was successful in the same year are you talking about in terms of producing fruit no i'm just no, wanting to grab the take i ha i have yeah, not okay. planted the peach tree yet it's still in its three gallon container so i'm wanting to plant that tree and also graft in the same year basically is there a the reason day. that you wanted to put put the uh, the scions on on a dwarfing rootstock no it was just uh you know we kind of did it all at once Bought the dairy cow the same day that you plan on milking it, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a we, great uh, line. I love it. 
we got the peach tree because that was what was available to us and we decided that we liked the we researched just a little bit the the peach trees that were available at our home depot and we decided we liked a lot of what the was said about uh, the fruit quality on the bonanza and uh we decided you know we could deal with small tree five five feet that's got some advantages some disadvantages um, but what I do know is that they're both in the, prun- the prunus family, apricots and peaches. That's the genus. And apparently That's not a they family. do graft. They're in the uh, yeah, family. genus. Sorry, yeah. um, they do graft back and forth, is my understanding. And uh, in fact, there's another one, plums. I think also yeah. can be grafted, but with less success. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you've done more homework on that than I have. Apricots also are a challenge in most of Texas. Now, Amarillo is is a, a different climate. Uh, the problem with apricots for most of Texas is that they have low chilling requirements and they tend to bloom too early. Um, and, and you may run into that. Uh, if you get a warm spell uh, after their chilling requirement has been met, then they will come into bloom in, in the bulk of Texas. They may be in bloom in January. And most of Texas still has some cold ahead of it in January. Uh, most uh, and and so you're still cold enough in January that they're not going to try to bloom. But they may try to bloom at the end of February, and you have a lot of cold yet ahead in Amarillo at the end of February. So do a little more research before you go to a lot of trouble that way. But you're already going to have the scion wood, so you might as well try it. I just don't know how well it's going to take on a on a dwarfing rootstock. Uh, you might be better off with with uh, one of the the better adapted uh, uh, peach varieties, um, if, if you're going to try that. I am I am really just shooting out fumes right now. I don't know anything about what I'm talking about. I'd rather tell you well, then that. What about, <laughs> what about if I was to just uh, dip the scions in uh, rooting hormone? I don't know if they'll root trees. Yeah, trees normally do not root very successfully from cuttings. Okay. It's worth trying, and, and you don't have anything to lose that way, but I just don't know. Very few uh, trees, woody trees, uh, will root from cuttings, but it's it's worth a try. I, don't, I hate to just keep slamming doors on you, but uh, <laughs> you know I think you can get online now and, and do some quick research and find out. Uh, but I would the thing I would start with is how successful will apricots be in uh, in in the panhandle and i think you could go to colorado state university website and find that out you're so close to to uh, to their climate that you could probably find out a lot from colorado state uh oklahoma state would not be too incompatible with you um i'm trying to get something with roughly the same temperature range um kansas state might be good those are the three i would start with and, and just see how well suited apricots will be for you. This is a fabulous call, and it stretches my mind, and, and I will promise you that when I get some off time, I'm going to be looking into it. Um, if you care to post on my Facebook page, I will do some homework for you and try to become... Uh, it will not be difficult to become smarter than I am now. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I found out a long... Stephen, I found out a long... I've been doing this 44 years. I found out a long time ago it's better to say I am really ignorant on this topic than to try to fake it and prove that you're not. Just tell them you're not uh, intelligent. Well, and sometimes the answer you're looking for is still a good answer. So yeah, the answer well, you're not looking for is still considered a good answer. But if you if you will post it on Facebook, that's a way we can make contact, and I will do my homework. I'll try to help. 
All right, appreciate you. Thank you. Thank very you, much. my friend. Take care. You bet. All right. Well, that was lengthy uh, answer, but it uh, it was uh, it was entertaining for me anyway. I'm an audience of one on that one, perhaps, but uh, but it's it's good. Uh, I think I can help Teresa at Lake Livingston fairly quickly because I see what her topic is, and I better know what it is. Teresa, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help you? Uh, yes, sir. Well, I have a question about my oleander. Uh, I've had them planted for maybe about uh, three years. They're pretty tall because I've not cut them back. Um, but they did, you know, freeze because of the temps and stuff. Uh, can I just go ahead and, and cut them back and they will be okay? Yes. Um, awesome. Awesome. Yeah, okay, you need second. to do that. You need to do that. You want to get that brown stuff out of the way. And uh, you will down in the in the crown of all of that that browning uh, uh, stem and stubble and stuff, you'll find uh, either will find or soon will find uh, green new growth shooting up out of the root system. They will come okay. back. The farther south you go in Texas, the more confidence I have in saying that. Uh, as I've said a couple times in the program already today, I live in McKinney. Uh, we have people in McKinney who have oleanders, and some of those oleanders make it through most winters, not this year, but most winters, and without freezing to the ground. And those few years that they do freeze to the ground, they come back like like weeds the next spring. But it's incumbent on all of us to, to prune oleanders back to get that junk out of the way so that so that the new growth can be seen and be visible. They will not bloom this year. Or if they do, it'll be late and it'll be sporadic. They bloom on, on second-year wood. But, yes, you can prune them and, and do it as soon as you can. That's wonderful. I also have a question about wisteria. Uh, can I uh, start from a cutting? Yes, that's how they're started. Oh, I guess she's gone. But, yes, you surely can. They are rooted from cuttings. That's exactly how they're propagated. Hey, I appreciate your call. Thank you, Teresa. All right, that opens two lines fairly quickly at 888-256-1080. The Texas Lawn and Garden Hour, every Saturday, a little after 11 until a little before noon. We are very precise on our time here. We use a sundial. Texas Lawn and Garden Hour, 888-256-1080. Give us a call now. I have a couple of open lines. 888-256-1080. Niels Perry's eGardens is my free Thursday night electronic newsletter. Process that through your mind. comes from my computer directly to your email. There are five stories in every one of the eGardens. One of the stories will always be a featured plant of the week. One of the stories will always be a featured question of the week, something that I've been asked many times that week. One of the Stories will always be Gardening This Weekend, where I outline the things you need to be doing in your landscape and garden that week. And then there will be a couple of other stories. You figured that, because I promised you there would be five. That's what eGardens is all about. If you'd like to see what it looks like, go to my website. That's where you sign up for eGardens, and that's where you can see the most recent issue. We leave it archived there for you for a week so you can see it. Not sure I'm always going to do that, but I want you to be able to see it so you know what you're getting. It is free, and I will never spam you. I don't give or sell your email address to anybody, so you don't have to worry about being on some mail list that is going to get shipped all around the world. It's not going to happen. That's Neil Sperry's eGardens at neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. More after these messages. 
All right, Kelly, thank you. And we have Mike and Mitch and Marshall. That's who's coming up next. It's the triplets. Let's go to Mike first in Brenham. Mike, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing, sir? Um, well, thank you, sir. How can I help? Well, I have a question. Uh, I live in Brenham, and, you know, we had that freeze for about a week in Texas like everybody else. And I, I heard very... about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been living that thing. I know. You've been talking about it mm. all morning. I've, I noticed something strange. I've got uh, three or four oak trees in the backyard, and for some reason, the St. Augustine underneath these trees has not come back. And I have other areas where I have St. Augustine, and it came back perfectly fine. And I'm just wondering what about it, what underneath these trees? Was it the snowdrift? Was it deeper there? I can't figure out. Snow is your friend. Snow is your friend when you have cold weather. Nitrogen, right? Nitrogen. No, 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 not at all. Snow is an insulator. Uh, It uh, it protects plants. Uh, Some of the shrubs that were uh, killed by the cold temperatures, for example, the Indian hawthorns I talked about uh, in the northern half of the state, um, where they were in a snowpack, where they had snow up six or eight inches up on the shrubs, and then from there up they were in the air. They're brown from that point up and green from that point down. Now, that wouldn't have hurt the St. Augustine. I I have not had that question presented yet this year. Uh, let, me, let me tell you how I've been living this uh, uh, February 16 lowest temperature uh, event since. I don't know if you have seen my Facebook page. It's, uh, it's a, a pretty active page. I, I have 90, I'll, I'll go past 93,000 people on my page sometime this hour and I have gained uh, I have gained 18,000 people in the last 28 days on that page and every one of them came with a question it's the same question is this dead (laughs) and (laughs) and, uh, so yeah I've been living this Uh, I would um, I'm just curious about something Um, so it, it went past 93,000 in the last 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, and the first question is, is this dead? <laughs> I just I just clicked on it. There it is. <laughs> Prove me right. Um, the, uh, the, the theory I have, I live in, in, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and St. Augustine doesn't grow much farther north of here. I grew up in College Station, so I knew St. Augustine for all of my growing up years. Um, and my theory with St. Augustine in our area here, I've lived here 50 years, uh, it is difficult to grow it beneath trees. And yet when I come to Brenham or when I go to Houston, I see it up under live oaks and other evergreen trees. Yes, sir. But the difference is that in your area, it typically does not turn brown in the wintertime. It doesn't, it doesn't do uh, the same thing in South Texas that it does in North Texas. It has to start over every spring. And so it's yeah. challenged more to grow in the shade in North Texas than it is in South Texas. And I'll, I'll count you as South Texas. And yeah. this year you, you got a dose of, of, you got a Dallas winter and, and then some um, yeah. this year. And so as a result, I think that's probably part of what's happened to your St. Augustine. Now it's a little bit early to judge. Uh, are you seeing any green at all on the runners? I am now. It's underneath. I keep my canopy up because you're correct about the shade in the St. Augustine. So I right. keep my canopy up, and 
all of these, most of the trees in this area are pin oak, so their leaves were completely gone, so it was getting sun, but I noticed it was very dry because the treats are competing for the moisture. So I started watering it, and I am seeing some coming back. I'm starting to see well, let's, green. Yeah, up. let's let's adjourn this discussion for about a month and see how well it comes back because it's a little okay. bit early on a lot of different plants, St. Augustine included, but especially things like crepe myrtles, others. Let's just adjourn it and see how it comes back and see if it bounces back. You're probably talking about water oaks. Uh, a lot of Texans in my yeah. counter my, my cohorts i'm a texan uh call yeah. water oaks pin oaks and and they are semi evergreen they hold their leaves a long time so they function almost yeah. like live oaks so let's say let's see how it comes back but i'll bet that's the i'll bet that's it i haven't had that presented to me that way i had to do some thinking so, on my feet here and a question i'll keep it watered should i put some fertilizer on it it won't hurt but i don't i wouldn't count on that to create a miracle to make it come back if it's if it's uh, if it's been killed but I don't think it's killed. I think it's just sluggish to come back. Yeah. I think it okay. will where you are, and once you get it covered again, then hopefully it'll hold yeah. and we'll have another winter like that. So, okay. Anyway, that's my best guess, Mike. All right. I appreciate I, it, sir. I better run. Yeah, thanks so much. Mitch and Corpus Christi, Marshall and Abilene, I'm coming to you, and I think I can help you fairly punctually, and I'll do it my best. Uh, I'm going to do a short ad for my book. This is the book that is now going now in, not going into, is in its fifth spring. It's on the press. It's probably right now, probably running on Saturday. I don't know that, but it is the book that is called Lone Star Gardening. I, I chose to self-publish this one so that I got to make the decision and not some committee at a, a publishing house. Uh, that's the way that I could keep the price way down low for you by not going through distributors and uh, not going through retail stores. It's available only from my office. And when I sign the books, I'm signing them in my garage and we're putting them in boxes and I take them to the post office myself. Took the last batch of the fourth printing, uh, let's see, about three days ago and they're all in the mail now. So uh, anyway, this is Neil Spray's Lone Star Gardening. Chapter 1 is the basics of gardening in Texas. Chapter 2 is that calendar that people tell me pays for the book. It's uh, 48 pages of when to do every task in your landscape and garden month by month. And then chapters 3 through 11 cover everything about lawns, landscapes, and flower, fruit, and vegetable gardening. Now, the book is, as I said, not in stores and not on Amazon. It's available from neilsperry.com or by calling my office Monday through Friday, 800-752-GROW, G-R-O-W, 800-752-4769. Satisfaction guaranteed. I sign every copy. I have a pre a sale offer on this thing before it comes off the presses. If you order it now, before I get my first copies of the book, I will save you down from $36.95, which will be the price, to $31.95. It will never go that low again. I'm going to be signing and mailing in the order in which they are purchased. So you need to order right now. Get one of the first copies. That's 800-752-GROW. Or you can call Monday through Friday, 800-752-GROW. Uh, you can order on the website at neilsperry.com. N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. All right, Kelly, thank you much. Let's go to Mitch and Corpus Christi. I'll try to speed up my answers here. Mitch, how can I help you? Hello, Mitch. 
Well, that's a good way to speed them up. Jared, what did he ask about on bottle brush trees? How to tell if they are dead. Uh, Corpus went down into the uh, 20s, I think maybe. Maybe high teens, I don't know. And bottle brush will not take very much freezing weather before it will turn brown. Um, and I think you just have to wait. However, they've been pretty warm for a while now. And uh, I think give it another week or two at the most, and you can make that decision. The other thing you can do with a bottle brush tree, Mitch, if you're listening in now, is start cutting at the top with a pair of pruning shears and just start cross-sectioning all the way down. And when you come to green tissue, you stop and give it a chance to send out some shoots and grow. And if you don't come to any green tissue, you just cut all the way down. You cut cut right to the ground if you have to. That's probably, sadly, what's going to end up happening. I bet it's been lost. Let's go to Marshall in Abilene. Marshall, this is Neil. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. Yes, sir. How can Thanks I help you? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Listen, uh, about a half a block from my shop is this magnificent lilac bush. It's about seven or eight feet tall and about 15 feet in diameter. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, I would like to take a cutting off of that and, and start growing some of that at my place. How's the best way to do that? All right. Uh, and you're talking about a... a Persian lilac with the the intense fragrance. Yes, it's very fragrant. All right. Uh, They are rooted from cuttings, as you said, and to give all the detail of how to root a plant from cuttings would take me the rest of my program. Uh, Have you done a lot of propagation from cuttings? No, I have not. Uh, Do you go online? Because I have that answered on my website. Oh, I seldom go online. I'm I'm not very computer-friendly, but I guess I could try it. Well, okay, what I was going to tell you, if you go to neilsperry.com and click in the Frequently Asked Questions, it's uh, and then just enter plant propagation or enter the word cuttings. It'll take you right to the lengthy description of how to use rooting hormone and how to wound a cutting and and do all of that. The cutting, I'm going to do it really quickly because it's a 10-minute answer. Uh, you, you want to take your cuttings, probably a semi-hardwood cutting in June. Uh, you'll take the about a 5-inch cutting. You'll, you'll discard the tip inch. You want to uh, strip off the leaves off the bottom half of the cutting. Take a very sharp knife and wound the sides of the cutting to take off just the, the, the outer edge of the bark that is starting to form. Uh, dip each cutting in rooting hormone powder. Your rooting mix will be 50% peat, 50% perlite. Uh, you probably take a six-inch pot with that mix, fill it, wet it really well, and then use a, a very small stick to make the insertion hole so you don't rub off the rooting hormone powder as you stick the cuttings in. Probably five or six cuttings per six-inch pot. Um, once you have them in, water it again gently to uh, seal the, uh, the the potting mix around or plant rooting mix around the, the uh, cuttings. And uh, you would then want to um, uh, put a, a dry cleaner's plastic bag uh, over it. Uh, not quite airtight. You don't want it to overheat, but to hold the humidity in. I forgot to mention that you'd probably want to trim the leaves about half in size so that they don't transpire too much. And uh, then it will take probably four to six or seven weeks uh, for them to root. Uh, if you had a greenhouse with a mist propagation bench, that would be even better. Uh, put them into four-inch pots, pot them up, grow them for a while, probably a year, 
uh, in gallon and two gallon pots before you put them out into the garden. So that's the short answer, Marshall, but hopefully that'll help. Again, it's steelsperry.com and the frequently asked questions will have all that in lengthy detail. I will. I'll go online and look at that. Another thing, where I live, it's extremely hot in the summer. I don't have a whole lot of shade. Should I try to shade it or? Yeah, oh yeah, you can't have that in the sun. I'm sorry, that's that's part of the trying to hurry it up. I'm I'm really bogging down. But sure. uh, yes, they'll need to be in the shade. You don't want to have that out in direct sunlight. All right. That's Good luck with them. Good deal. Good luck. I know you can do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you have a lilac that is that big, that's a miracle in Texas. I'll tell you. Neilspray.com yeah. is my website, and that's exactly where I've sent him. N e i l s p e r r y dot com. I have my 1,001 frequently asked questions there. I spent a year doing that. It was actually a book. And the book uh, publisher went bankrupt, and this is another reason I self-published this other book I've told you about. Uh, but anyway, I just decided to put that entire book on my website at no charge to anybody and at least get some use out of that year of my life. So there it is. And the cuttings, you, you have a search uh, box, and if you just enter cuttings, it'll it'll take you right to what I told him, and it won't be quite so, so speedy. Um also, that's where you buy my latest book, Lone Star Gardening. It's where you sign up for eGardens. Again, it is neilsperry.com, N-E-I-L-S-P-E-R-R-Y.com. When people think of Mueller, they think quality steel buildings and durable metal roofing, but the name Mueller means so much more. It means you'll have a product manufactured by Mueller, including in-house engineers to help design the building of your dreams. It means you'll have a company in business for 90 years standing behind your warranty. And it also means you'll get tons of added value, such as roofing site visits, forklift delivery, and a Mueller assurance team that's ready to help you along the way. And Mueller is on the cutting edge, designing and manufacturing new products, like their greenhouses and standing seam roofing panels. To find out more about Mueller products, go to MuellerInc.com. That's M-U-E-L-L-E-R-I-N-C.com. Give them a call at 877-2-MUELLER, 877-268-3553, or stop by one of their 33 locations. That's Mueller, MuellerInc.com. I'll have more after this message. All right, we got time. We'll make it. Ronnie in Victoria, this is Neil. How hey, can Neil. I help you? Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good hey. morning. Got a question. I bought a house that's got a that's got oh, three or four good sized oak trees in the front, and the yard's been neglected. So I'm going to need to bring in some dirt. There's a lot of roots exposed and whatnot. But in one particular area, there's like a maybe a around one of the trees, maybe about a twenty by twenty patch or maybe twenty by thirty, that I've got all these little little baby little oak looking things coming up uh, out of the ground. There's no roots exposed there, but it's like I say, I don't. Uh, what's the best way of getting that under control? Uh, well, and you're saying 20 by feet, 20 feet by 20 feet, or 20 inches, 20 feet? I'm yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. 20 feet by 20 feet. Yeah. All and right. Then there's some. Yeah. All right. Hear me. I, I have to hustle on this answer. That is a genetic blemish of that tree. About 15% of our live oaks do that. And okay. those are root sprouts. They're coming off the mother tree. They're tethered to the mother tree, to her roots. And all you can do, here's the bad news, is is grub them off with a shovel, with a sharpshooter spade. 
if you will spend a very boring afternoon going in at about a, a 30 degree angle about four inches down when it's been rainy you can usually get rid of them and and that will discourage them there's no other way around it that's in those faqs that i have on my website hey everybody okay. happy Great. gardening